When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining Watermark's podcast series, Women of the C-Suite, where we have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished female executives anywhere about their journeys and the paths they took to get to the top. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and I join you with my co-host, the CEO of Watermark, Peggy Northrup. In this series, we draw out meaningful insights and candid perspectives that will help you to make your mark. Hi, I'm Peggy Northrup, the CEO of Watermark, and I'm excited to introduce to our podcast today, Yvonne Wassenaar. For more than 30 years, Yvonne has advised leaders around the world on how to scale, diversify, and transform their businesses. Currently, Yvonne is CEO of Puppet, an infrastructure automation company that promises to eliminate soul-crushing work and empower open innovation. Doesn't that sound great? Vaughn is also on the board of directors of Anaplan, Forrester, and Harvey Mudd College, and she's an advisor to many other companies and nonprofits. She's also past CEO of Airway and has held executive roles at New Relic, VMware, and Accenture, where she began her career as a software engineer. Welcome, Yvonne. Yvonne, thank you so much for being here with us today. What an impressive background. So excited to have you. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. And, and Nicole, I don't know if you know this, but Watermark um, played a very special part in my board journey. So I'm thrilled and honored to be back and to have this conversation with you and Peggy. Oh, that is terrific. Can't wait to hear more about that and, ha- and have you share. Uh, thank you so much. Well, good. Well, let's, you know, we'd love to to step back and Yvonne really get um, a sense of of what your career path has been like. What are some of the twists and turns? What has that journey been like for you? How, how have you gotten where you are? <laughs> Nicole, that, that's such a great question. And I love that you asked, um, because so many people kind of look at my resume or look at my background. And even when I hear people introduce me, I'm like, wow. And then I'm like, wait, wait, that's me. <laughs> and, you know, life's harder in, in person than it is sometime on paper. And I think having that realism and that, that context of you don't have to have it all sorted out and figured out up front. And sometimes there are some rough patches that you have to work through. Um, but to me, when I think about kind of retrospectively, my journey, it was anything other than a clear path in one direction. Um, I had a very, very curvy path, um, but it was overall, in retrospect, you know, framed by some core guiding principles. Um, I've always been a very curious person, and so had a lot of drive to learn new things, to try new things, to explore um, different areas. And I think that has has served me well. And I've also been lucky that I've had the opportunity to build a lot of, of sponsors and mentors over the course of my career. But if I think about the overall journey, you know, I would say it kind of breaks up into a couple chunks. Um, 
the first part was really about survival. Um, and what I mean by that is my parents immigrated to this country. Um, you know, we were lower middle class. I got divorced when uh, I was relatively young. Um, and my um, mom remarried to somebody who was an abusive alcoholic. And so for me, a lot of my um, early childhood was really pouring myself into school as an escape and learning um, and the recognition I got from my teachers and the encouragement I got from my teachers was really a lot of where I found my self-worth. And so I ended up graduating high school a year early and a lot of people thought that's because I was super smart, but I just really wanted to get away um, and forge my own path. And I bring that up because it creates a, a mindset um, and a way of being that I think in one hand is really productive. Um, I was a good student, I got to advance very far, but it also comes with some baggage that can hold you back if you don't address it. And so to me, I feel very fortunate that, you know, in the first chapter of that life, I had amazing um, teachers and then professors that guided me along, including my, my calculus professor who is the one who said, hey, would you take my programming class? And I'm like, what's programming? <laughs> and I took it just because I thought he was amazing. I mean, this is in the 80s and I had an eight line memory typewriter, but I learned Pascal, Fortran, Assembler, and I fell in love with the art of, of programming and, and writing code. And, and I call that out because there, there's so many, so many influences in your life. And I think, you know, being able to appreciate those who kind of get you off to that right start is so critical. The, the next phase was really around, um, you know, kind of that, that, that I'd call that, that focus on accomplishment, that focus on driving. Okay. So I've survived. Now I'm going to go conquer. <laughs> and that was really a lot of um, time that I spent at Accenture um, I ended up going back to business school, working in the strategy practice after having spent the first couple of years as a software engineer. I worked in IT or worked in um, the high tech sector. I consulted with companies all around the globe. I probably had 20 different roles in the 17 years that I was there. So it was really rich. Um, but what was interesting is one of my exec coaches um, asked me, uh, I, I was a partner and she's we were working on goal setting. She's like, you know, do you want to be a consultant forever? And I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> and she's like, I hate to break it to you, but that's all you've ever done. And by this time I was over 40, I had three young kids. Um, but she really kind of gave me that push out of the nest um, to go try an operating role to do something different. And so I went on to um, work at VMware and did a lot of um, great things there with the executive team. Um, that's actually when I first uh, engaged with Watermark. I was interested in getting on boards, did some great training and went to a lot of the events that, that you all supported um, and ultimately found my way to New Relic really as an avenue to get experience that would make me more board relevant. Um, and so I'd say that was really kind of that accomplishment of I just, I had this thirst you know, I wasn't just going to survive. I was going to, you know, thrive. I was going to, you know, just do all these things. And then the the final phase and kind of where I am now, it's it's really to me much more around impact. 
And the fundamental shift for me really came from a personal experience um, of my fiance passing away. And so I was 36 years old and I, um, you know, had met the love of my life um, as sometimes we're fortunate enough to do. And he'd been diagnosed um, with a very treatable form of cancer, um, but ultimately several months into treatment, they found another form of cancer that was rare and aggressive. And so we, after some wonderful support from a whole set of doctors and specialists, uh, went home with the help of hospice. And um, I'll always remember the, the one night uh, he woke up and couldn't fall back asleep. And he was reflecting on his own life. And he had a lot of regrets. He was an artist. He was an incredibly talented artist, but he had followed kind of, you know, the monetization of that versus what was truly in his heart and passion. Um, and it was just devastating at 36 to to see somebody who you love so much, you know, on death's door with no real opportunity to come to resolution of what that was. And, and, and I think he had an amazing life and he taught me so much and my three kids are all his kids through IVF. And so his legacy lives on really, really strong. But that was a turning point for me to realize that life was more about more than survival and accomplishment. It was really around impact. And I think that's really what's framed this last phase of my career. Um, but to achieve the true impact that, that I've been able to have really meant I had to go back and address those issues of my childhood. And I've had some great executive coaches who <laughs> I kind of joke with them. They were more like psychiatrists um, that really helped me understand that in many regards, um, I had grown up a fear-driven person. And what I was doing is I was running away from things versus trying to accomplish things and drive impact. And so I went through a lot of hard work to really find in myself that ability to um, take control and be empowered and do those things I want to do out of inspiration versus out of fear. And I think that kind of collectively is the undertone to the story that one sees on the resume. Mm -hmm. And it is an incredible, incredible story. And thank you so much for, for sharing it, Yvonne. And, and I think it's so important for women to share these stories with one another, because as you say, the outer look, you know, what we see on the resume tells like a tiny, tiny piece of the story. That's just incredible. So, you know, you've obviously made a lot of pivots in your life and in your personal life. And I love the way you framed it um, from survival to achievement to impact. Um, what I'm curious about is in this past very challenging year for everyone, I mean, you bring so much, so much empathy, so much understanding of people going through difficult times to your current role. How, how has that been being a leader of a company during this time? It is an understatement to say the last 15 months has been a challenge. <laughs> and, you know, for me in particular, um, my company is headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Um, we operate on a global basis. Um, our second largest engineering site is in Belfast. So in addition to the pandemic, we had, you know, the protests, the riots, the federal agents, the fires, we had Brexit. There's just been 
you know, one thing after another. And there were days when, you know, you almost felt nothing would surprise you um, because it just seemed like bad things were going to fly your way. And what's really interesting um, is, I think, you know, your question, like, how do you react to that? How do you find that space, not just for you and your family, but for your organization? And to me, what became, you know, immediately apparent is, you know, everybody talks about how the pandemic has accelerated the digitization of the world around us. I think the other thing that it did was it really amplified those things that are most important and most precious. And, you know, the, the first and foremost on that list is, is people um, and connection and care. And so for, for myself and for the team at Puppet, um, I felt very lucky to be part of a community that our immediate reaction was how do we take care of each other and of our customers? And it was incredibly impressive how the team came together and, and we had to make some hard business decisions and let some people go during the pandemic, which is in some regards, the, the worst thing one ever has to do in any time, let alone a pandemic. Um, but how team members came together to help other people find jobs, make sure they were okay, make sure it was understood that these were amazing members of our community. And it was through no fault of their own that they were going through these transitions um, was, was really, really made me proud. Um, and like I said, it feel very honored to be part of this community. And, and as we went through the pandemic, we recognized all of these stresses and, and puppets always had a, a strong focus on mental health um, and caring for the whole self. But we doubled down on, you know, how do we ensure that we're, you know, um, managing through. And so we did do some special company holidays um, and we tended to do them on Mondays in most countries. It's amazing with the, <laughs> the calendars. You know, everybody has different days off, but um, you know, just that ability to have a three-day weekend when you knew everybody else was off. So even if you were home, you could still unplug. So I'd say the, the first overarching thing um, that was critical leading through the pandemic was starting with what matters most, the people and the connection. Um, and, and, and I'd like to think I had a meaningful role in that, but it's really the community at Puppet that, that showed up in, in spades. The second thing, which really, you know, I, I had the fortune of, of working closely with John Chambers, um, that he really instilled in me is the importance as a leader of being calm. And the more stresses that exist in the environment around you, the more calm your team needs you to be because they need to have that to hold on to. They need to, they're going to follow your lead in terms of where you're at. And so the, the other big thing um, that I focused on, and a lot of it comes from my strategy backgrounds, is scenario planning. Um, so rather than let all the unknowns stress all of us out, let's figure out what the possible futures could be. Let's figure out what the, the actions would be in those futures. Let's figure out what are the, you know, non-regrettable moves, regardless of what happens. And it's amazing the amount of stress you can release from the system 
-hmm. when you give people context, because the scariest thing is actually the unknown. And so if you find ways to contain that, and if you give people actions to focus on, and you provide an environment where they can care for each other and themselves, um, amazing things happen. And so on one hand, it was the hardest time I've ever had to lead through. Um, but as so often happens, it's also been, you know, one of those times of greatest reward and greatest growth. Yeah, amazing. That is amazing. And what an opportunity if seen as such, right? Um, and it's sounds like um, as challenging as, as it was, you certainly gleaned um, some great learnings. And I'm sure your team and colleagues benefited from that. At least that's what it sounds like. For our listeners that are out there right now that are earlier on in their journey, um, Yvonne, are there particular things that, that you wish you'd known earlier in your career that you think translate or might translate or that you might share? The thing that I would say is everything is easier in retrospect. And, and I think that's super important to acknowledge because it's, it can feel really hard and challenging in any point in time. The, the, there's a few things that I've learned, um, deeply learned. Um, and I say deeply learned because the difference being, I knew them when I was younger, people told me them when I was younger, but I didn't really know them um, and, and, and do them to the, to the extent I wish I would have. Um, the, the first thing um, really comes to kind of that self-care, self-healing, and to me, I was always too busy and kind of going back to my life story, I was always running away from stuff, you know, looking to accomplish that next thing. Um, I believe if I would have taken more time to instill some of the practices in my life then that I have now, um, I could have gotten further faster. Um, those are things like um, meditation. So I spend five minutes. <laughs> it's not like I'm, you know, for hours um, in, in deep, deep meditation, but I sent, spend five minutes after a morning bike ride, um, very consciously clearing my mind and, you know, doing my, my, my mantras and setting myself up for the positivity of the day. And it's so impactful and it's so critical. And I carve time out to go for a run, which is my, my emotional healing, my self-healing, my creative thought time. And there were times in my life where, you know, I was just too busy. I had emails to answer. I had meetings to go to. I didn't have time to do those things. So the first thing that I would say is um, it's like sleep. Like those things are critically important and it feels like you don't have time. Um, but, but your impact on this earth is really measured not by how many things you do, but what you do, when and how. And if you take care of yourself, you can actually have much greater impact in a shorter number of hours in a thoughtful way. The, the second thing that I would say is networking. And it's interesting because I always wrote it off to, I was a shy person. I wasn't a natural networker. 
Um, I worked hard. I got promoted. Life was fine. It was okay. Then I had these three kids and I was a working mom and I was a single mom and I had this big job. So, you know, how was that going to work? And I always had excuses for not investing in networking. And it was interesting because I had a, a, a friend of mine, I, I didn't get a promotion I wanted. And I went to one of my, my girlfriends and I had my, my plan of what I would do better next time and how would I would achieve it. And, and she was, was empathetic and encouraging. And then I went to one of my male friends and he's like, don't come crying on my shoulder. And I was really put off. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just had this traumatic career event. <laughs> and he's like, Yvonne, you're one of the smartest people I know. He's like, but nobody knows you. And you have no leverage in your current job. It doesn't matter how upset you get. It's not like you're going anywhere else anytime soon. And, and, and the nice thing is, is he didn't stop there. He then, you know, went to inquiry of, you know, who, who is the headhunter <laughs> that you work with? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, all right, let me introduce you to some people. And he introduced me to a wonderful set of individuals. This one woman, Gia, um, she worked in talent at Andreessen. And I was never going to be a four guy in the garage startup person. Um, but she and I really hit it off. And she introduced me to this concept that networking isn't about any particular outcome. It's about meeting quality, interesting people and contributing them to the ecosystem. And when she reframed it for me that way, it took a lot of the pressure off and it made it much more fun because who wouldn't want to meet interesting, engaging people? And so she would introduce people to me. I would introduce people to her. And it's amazing how that snowballs. And what I found is that you know, networking wasn't intended to be an after hours on the weekends morning book club with other women that it's painful to try to find the time to squeeze in because you're trying to feed your kids and get them off to school and do all these other things. It was something you could do during the day. In fact, as an executive, you're expected to have a network. You're expected to nurture that network. And so I wish I had realized earlier in my career that networking wasn't this high stress, after hours torture, but really it was a highly rewarding, engaging aspect of my day-to-day -day role. Um, and I feel, I feel very lucky that with the help of others, I now have an amazing network and I understand the power. I have better access to information. I have easier access to talent. I can, you know, I, 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 there's just so many more things that I can do and I can give and I can achieve um, through that small investment every week. And that's the one tip I, I give listeners. If, if you're trying to improve your networking, break it down to something simple. Um, what I tell the people that I, I coach and mentor is, you know, try to strike up one new relationship and rekindle an existing one every week or every month. And if you start with that, you'd be amazed and how quickly it goes. So don't look at it as a big monolithic thing, um, but just take it in small chunks. And I just think it's it's um, something I'm I'm excited. I found out um, and actually invested in when I was in my my 40s. Um, but it would have been even better if I had done it in my 20s or 30s.
I love that definition of networking, especially as a person who would rather read a book than ever go to a cocktail party. (laughs) I don't know. I really love that definition of networking. And to think of it as that connection and connecting other people is is an essential part of it as well. It's like you're not just connecting people to yourself. You're connecting people to the network you're creating, which is which is part of giving back and having that impact. I also love what you are saying about self-care. One of our favorite coaches at Watermark says, um, you can't give what you don't have. And that has that is such an important mantra for us to have, especially right now. I think so many people have been pushed to the breaking point and we have every conversation I have with Watermark women, it's all about, I know I have to take care of myself now. That's the one thing I learned this year because I cannot do what I normally do and expect my, you know, expect to just make it up on the weekends. There wasn't any place to make it up, make up that self-care. So um, I, I, that's, that's been a good thing that's come out of it for all of us. Well, I so appreciate these comments. Um, I want to ask you, what's exciting and inspiring you right now? I mean, we focused on some of the hard stuff and you're obviously looking strategically forward and getting excited about the next things and excited about things in your career. And what are you, what are you excited and inspired by at this moment? Yeah, I would call out two things that I'm really excited and inspired by right now. The first, um, and, and, and they're somewhat interrelated, but, but the first is on the social agenda. I really feel that we're at a point in time where we can drive meaningful change. And it's interesting, and I think it's driven by a number of factors. Um, Certainly during the pandemic, um, it's brought a spotlight to things like systemic racism and so forth with the killing of George Floyd. Um, But what's different this time is, and I don't know whether it's because all the time we had during the pandemic or it's just at that tipping point or you know, it's because of the digital connections we have and the observability that we have. But there have been some really meaningful actions taken, and we are starting to see shifts in board composition. We're starting to see shifts in funding of diverse founders. We're starting to see shifts on a number of fronts. And so to me, we're, we're seeing some of the, the it, and it's never fast enough, but we're seeing some of that movement at the top And equally, what's really been inspiring to me is the engagement and the expectation and the accountability that the youth are calling us out on. And I'll say, you know, as an example of that, my oldest um, is turning 16 this year. And, you know, she's the one who, you know, became a vegetarian to save the planet and had all of us watch the documentaries of why this is important. Um, And she's the one who was the first one who said, I'm going to go out and protest for Black Lives Matter. And I don't care that it's COVID. I'll wear a mask. I'll be smart. And so we participated in some of the protests in San Francisco. And and that that energy and focus um, is so important because the children are the future. And I think the level of engagement and education and activism that I'm seeing coupled with some of the movement that we have at the broader level around really important forces like money and power 
really change the game. So that's the first thing that I find super exciting. And the second thing is the, the possibility and potential with technology. Um, and COVID was a, a great spotlight on that as well in terms of the goodness technology can bring, the access to healthcare, the extension of education, the connectivity, the efficiency, um, you know, all these things that we can do. And, and we do have a tendency to highlight a lot of the negativity. Um, and so we see now a lot of what's going on with ransomware and we're always concerned about Big Brother and how AI maliciously is gonna do all these things. But again, I believe if we come together and we have, and it's one of the drivers for me of why diversity in tech and leadership is so important. If we have well-rounded, socially conscious leaders and people engaged in the advancement of technology, the power of what we can do in, in terms of creating equalization and enablement and empowerment around the globe is unlimited. And as a proof point of that, I had the opportunity to go on a tech tour in Nigeria uh, three or four years ago. And most people don't associate Nigeria or Africa with technical advancement. But what's fascinating is with the advent of the cloud and the internet, we've empowered and created the ability for individuals to start companies to drive change and impact in their own communities. And the resilience and the creativity is just, I was in awe. I mean, I've, I've sub subsequently invested with some entrepreneurs um, focused on that region. And to me, it's just one example of many of how the advancement of technology can bring so many spots of light um, and it's our opportunity and obligation to ensure that that outweighs the potential risks that it represents. Great. That's Absolutely. I, I, I love those answers. Um, I, I would love to know, Yvonne, what are you challenging yourself with next, right? What, what is your next sort of mountain to climb or, you know, professional, you know, what, what's next for you? I'm, I might disappoint you with this answer, Nicole. <laughs> you okay. know, as I, <laughs> as I, as I, you know, kind of reflects on 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 the question. I think what's so freeing and wonderful is, um, I'm out of that accomplishment phase, and to me, it's all about impact. And I'm at a point in my life, um, and I feel very lucky to to be here that. Um, you know, back to when I was 36 and having Kevin pass away so quickly um, and having lost my father in the past year and seeing so many other people, both young and, and old, move on. Um, I'm just blessed to have every day that I have. And to me, what, what I hope and what I focus on is what is the impact that I can have and how can I empower that next generation of leaders. And so, you know, I, when I was in my accomplishment phase, I had a lot of goals, a lot of ambitions. Um, you know, I mentioned I joined Watermark because I wanted to get on boards. Well, now I've been on boards. I'm on private company boards, public company boards, nonprofit boards. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be a CEO twice over. 
Um, I have amazing um, family and friends. So there's certainly more that I aspire to do professionally. Um, but what I really hope is that through the work that I do, that I can inspire others. Um, and, and to that end, you know, when I took this last role to run Puppet, my kids were sitting around the table in San Francisco and, and Puppet's headquartered in Portland, Oregon. And they're like, mom, why are you taking a job to run a company that's not in San Francisco? <laughs> and, and I told them, I said, well, I, I said, one is I'm, I'm super energized about what this company does. I think it's mission to create scalable, reliable, compliant infrastructure that, that powers and enables all these applications that, you know, do all the things that you like is really important. Um, it's not the, the topic of the day for many people. They like to talk about the applications, but the underlying infrastructure is critical. So, you know, I think you need responsible people who have a passion to, to work on that. I said, but equally, there aren't that many female CEOs and there certain, certainly aren't that many female CEOs in tech and in infrastructure tech. And, you know, for me, I see this job not only as an opportunity, but as an obligation. Because by sitting in this seat, I can reshape my board to be an example of the type of boards that I think are important. I can hire the executive team that I think is representative um, to drive things forward. I can help create dreams for people who, you know, look like me, who, who want to do things like I have done when I didn't have those role models and I didn't have those dreams. And I think that's really important. So for me, you know, what's really ahead of me now is finding out what are those ways that I can create that inspiration um, and that energy and that excitement and that next generation of leaders who I'm confident will achieve much more than I will myself, but if I can have you know, any part in fueling them along, I'll consider that an honor and a blessing. That is wonderful. Well, you, you are talking a lot about being a mentor yourself and your gratitude toward your the mentors and sponsors that you've had in your career. And I just want to end by asking you, you know, if there's one thing that you could say to other people who aspire to create the kind of change you're talking about, because there aren't enough mentors to go around for, you know, there aren't enough women mentors to mentor all the women that there are. So whether you're a woman or an ally, what would you say to somebody who wants to be that role in someone else's life? any, you know, top, 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 top two or three things that you would advise them? I think the role of, of mentorship and sponsorship are both critically important and, and very different with the key distinction being mentorship is, is, you know, how do you coach and support somebody in the evolution of their journey? Um, Sponsorship is more, how do you create opportunities for individuals when they may not even be in the room? And, and I think are both are really, really important. The, the, the things that I've learned over, over time, on the mentorship front, it's really important. One, I think that there's a true connection. Um, I think mentorship programs and all of that are, are great and well-intended. I think how effective they are depends on how natural and how well connections can be formed and maintained. But regardless of whether you do it through a formal program or an informal program, what I found the most important aspects of mentorship to be are 
um, one, uh, true transparency um, and honesty. And so particularly for women, I think all too often people are afraid of hurting people's feelings. And I think that's part of what holds us back. And so to be able to be direct, and, and I did this the other day where I had a, a candidate for a role um, and they pulled themselves out of the process because they'd made a bunch of assumptions about this, that, and the other. And, um, when I was talking to them, I'm like, you know that none of the men I've ever interviewed would have ever done what you just did. And I said, I may be saying something totally inappropriate, but I think you're really talented. And if you would have played your cards this way, I think you would have ended up in more of a win-win. And so I think having that courage to sometimes give hard coaching um, in the context of real empowerment is, is important. The second thing is um, you have to work to make advancement. Um, change doesn't just happen, at least not for most of us. And so the other thing that I expect um, with the folks who I mentor, and, and for most of them, they do it inherently, um, is you work, is you, you set goals, you try things, you have failures, you go back, you do things differently, but you have to Mentors want to work with people who invest in the effort. And, you know, I've had a lot of people ask if I would mentor them. And the, the first thing I say is, huh, well, what does that mean to you? And what do you expect that relationship would look like? Come back to me, let me know those things, and we'll see if something works out or not. And what's fascinating is nine out of 10 times, they never come back. And, and it's like, okay, maybe they weren't serious, but the reason I asked the question is I'm super busy. I don't want to commit to something I can't do. I may not be the best person to mentor somebody, um, but it's really important, I think, for the mentors and the people who want to play those roles to help folks understand the importance of framing, the importance of hard work, and the importance of that honest dialogue. On the sponsorship front, I think it's really critical that we think about and we pull people forward um, who don't look like us, who aren't the natural people who will raise their hands, um, and to take some of the risks that these individuals may not take themselves. And so what's critical is, you know, the next time you're sitting in that meeting talking about talent, don't just talk about the people whose names are on the board, who isn't on the board. When you're thinking about, you know, that next open role and somebody says, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to move the chess pieces this way. Ask the questions of, wow, you know, have we thought about this person over here? Um, and I'll say there's numerous times um, in my organization, I have a handful of informal sponsorship um, relationships, and I'll actively go to folks on my team and be like, hey, this amazing star player on your team probably won't be here in a year um, unless we figure out this type of opportunity because I'm encouraging them to run that fast in their career. <laughs> so I might be encouraging them to leave, but I think the, the, the challenge for us is figuring out how we create that compelling opportunity that they'll stay. And that may sound counterintuitive, but I believe if we're really gonna move the needle, um, you know, we need to encourage the development 
of, of all types of talent and particularly diverse talent in, in aggressive and engaging ways. Um, and once you get to a position of power, um, use that thoughtfully and, and make the most of it because it's, it's amazing what you can achieve. Awesome. Thank you. That is fan, fantastic and, and really grateful, tremendously grateful, Yvonne, you know, as we wrap up here for your perspective and your insight um, and the things that you've learned from all of the challenges that you've gone through along the way um, are so helpful. And I'm sure, uh, you know, so, so interesting for the listeners. Um, and I think, you know, your commitment to making an impact um, is huge, right? Uh, and I think just having you um, a part of this and sharing your journey is has been incredible, both for me and I'm sure, like I said, for our audience. So, uh, Peggy, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that, but just in wrap up, Yvonne, just so grateful. Um, what an incredible journey. Yes, thank you. And actually, Yvonne, I have a suggestion for you as an old media person, because that was my background. You need to write all of this down. <laughs> And have a book and yes, then we'll come back in there. Park, <laughs> and we'll interview you in front of everyone but you yes. really need to write this down oh, yes. I, I i appreciate that nicole and peggy and um i i i've thought about whether i should write some of it down because i i do feel um so fortunate as, as we started off in the conversation i've had so many sponsors and mentors and coaches um, from my elementary school teachers to my professors to the partners to to you know people quite frankly who you know saw me out of the corner of their eye and said hey there's somebody special I'm going to help them along and I think really in in tribute and acknowledgement to them um, I want to live up to the potential that they saw um, and to that end I do want to again just give a shout out to to both of you to to watermark the work that Watermark has done, like I said, when I first started um, realizing I needed to do more in networking and I needed to meet more people, Watermark was one of the first places that I went. And I still keep in touch with some of the, the folks that I met so many years ago through the community. So please keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. Um, it makes a massive difference. And I wouldn't be where I am without you. So a thank personal you. thank you as well. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Thank you all so much for listening today. Along with my co-host, Nicole Ward-Parr, I invite you to check out all of our upcoming programs at wearewatermark.org. With leadership training and inspirational fireside chats with awesome coaches, entrepreneurs, and women business leaders every single week, we're dedicated to helping you become the leader you were meant to be. We hope you'll consider becoming a member, lend your expertise, or come to one of our in-person conferences. We'll learn, we'll connect, and we'll have fun, I promise. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.